0: It's always been a pejorative term. Nobody claims to be a reactionary.
1: Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryant, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book. I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner hello paul hi Tom. paul we've been a long time talking about left and right on our last discussion and uh we wrapped that up and i started thinking about red states and blue states bringing up this topic of how that works into the discussion of left versus right liberal versus conservative let's talk about liberal and conservative a little bit but let's talk about red and blue first those are interesting
0: yeah, I think most people would think of that as having been around forever, but actually it only got solidified in the 2000 election. Um, before there was color TV, the parties didn't have colors associated with them. They were both very proud of being red, white, and blue, of course. Mm, right. And in earlier conservative speech, the term red referred to communists or leftists generally. And so if you called somebody a red, that was definitely an insult and was meant to imply that you were, you know, a dangerous subversive.
1: Mm.
0: Um, So red was more associated with the left and Democrats were more likely to be accused of being reds than republicans and uh, when color tv came in the network started to use various color schemes to show the maps on election night to see which states had gone which direction and it wasn't until the 2000 election that it it solidified and it, it was kind of peculiar because that was of course a very contested election that lasted a long time people kept waiting to see what would happen in florida and then what the supreme court would decide And so the networks were constantly showing this map, saying, "Okay, well, here's what it looks like today and the latest recounts and so on. And they gradually merged and arrived at this consensus that red was going to be the Republican color and blue, the Democratic one. And it's stuck ever since. So now people use those terms just as labels for uh, Democrats and Republicans. And I think that the trend to do that was partly a liberal reaction against the tendency to use red as an insult for Democrats. And they were thinking, okay, let's not use red for Democrats. That's been abused a lot. Um, let's just make the Republicans the reds for a while and uh, the Democrats blue. But it's stuck now only in the United States and only in this century.
1: Yeah, that's interesting that it does not go back any further than the year 2000. But uh, it only makes sense, actually, if I put my mind to it, I don't think I can remember it being used, the term red state and blue state being used prior to that. And it is an invention of the media and especially the television media. And, of course, this has led to the term purple states to describe those states that tend to vote neither red nor blue but they're swing states. Uh, they can be the most sought after votes in the election, in the presidential election, looking for those purple state votes, the states that could go either way. Um, suggesting that the red states and the blue states are fixed in place. Uh, that may not be true forever, though. These swing states seem to swing in and out of one color or the other. Right, right. Let's take it from there, let's talk a little bit about, first about what you might find in some of these blue states, you might find some liberals. So let's take the term liberal and uh, explore that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I talked earlier about how the term liberal got sort of beaten to death in recent times, but it has a long history with multiple meanings. And it meant generous, somebody was liberal who gave away a lot of money or, or food or whatever. There was the liberal arts. There's things like uh, music and literature and painting and uh, sometimes history, philosophy. Liberal could also mean free from bias, prejudice, or bigotry. Open-minded, tolerant. It could also mean uh, governing or governed by relaxed principles or rules, not so confined, so you didn't have so much regulation. Today, it's interesting that we usually associate being liberal with wanting more regulation. And in the past, it meant less regulation. So, in, in political contexts, meant favoring social reform and a degree of state intervention in matters of economics and social justice. So, left wingers were mostly liberals, and sometimes modern conservatives claim to be classic liberals in this sense, saying that you want to have a certain amount of equality. Equal rights, although they tend to define it very differently from liberal liberals, and that they believe that the state should have something to say about it, anti-discrimination laws and so on. But that's got frayed around the edges. Those kinds of Republican liberals are under siege now from people who are just openly hostile to any kind of government attempt to create more equality. Mm. So supporting or advocating individual rights, civil liberties, political, social reform, anything tending toward individual freedom or democracy with very little state intervention could be considered liberals in that older sense. And these attitudes are also characteristic of libertarians, who we'll talk about a bit more later. But there's a A piece in the Oxford English Dictionary on the evolution of the Liberal Party in Britain is, is, for a dictionary, this is an unusual essay. It says, in early use, the noun was applied chiefly by opponents to the advanced section of the Whig Party, apparently with the intention of suggesting that the principles of those politicians were similar to those of the revolutionary parties on the continent, uh, notably the, the French Revolution. As, however, the English adjective already had positive connotations, liberal, the advocates of reform were not reluctant to use the term to describe themselves. When the old party distinctions were obliterated by the coalition of the advanced Whigs with the radicals and the moderate Whigs with the Tories, the new names, liberal and conservative, took the place of Whig and Tory as the usual names for the two chief political parties, until, in the 1920s, the Labor Party became the chief alternative to the conservatives. And by the end of the 19th century, the focus of the Liberal Party had changed from advocating individual rights and freedom from state interference to favoring state intervention in matters of economics and social justice. And In the United States, of course, during the Reagan era, uh, liberalism and liberal became used widely as a negative term. In, A lot of liberals just avoid using the term or uh, letting themselves be identified as such. I once heard
1: a, an interview with, um, some of the voice actors who do political commercials. Uh, one of them was asked, well, what, what is your favorite word to say? And the answer was liberal. (laughs) He's liberal or (laughs) she's liberal. Which, of course, yeah, prior to Reagan era, I don't uh, remember that being used with that satanic overtone
0: at all. Interestingly, the term liberal is getting somewhat replaced by progressive. Mm. You find that politicians, uh, Democratic politicians in particular, are much more willing to describe themselves as progressive than as liberal these days. And progressive used to be the more radical term. Generally, it's a term... Describing attitudes toward reform. You want to make progress toward making things better. So, progress, forward looking, endorsing a change from tradition. And today, it's become mostly just a euphemism for liberal in American politics. The U.S. Communist Party used the term for politics that generally aligned with or, or tended toward their own goals. And uh, sometimes modern conservatives argue that progressive is just a euphemism for communist. But that really has no historical basis and nobody except people already very much on the right are influenced or impressed by that particular definition. And in education, the term progressive education was used for certain kinds of liberalizing trends for a long time. And that meant that the term progressive had associations not only with the way the communists used it, but with people who are developing Montessori schools and so on, Mm -hmm. uh, which meant that it didn't have so much liberal association with it in the public's mind. So it's been possible for people to shift over to progressive without its being toxic. And it struck me as odd when people started using it a few years ago to describe themselves because I associated it with that Marxist meaning. And evidently that just isn't widely remembered at all.
1: Well, I think you nailed it. Dropping the term liberal, just abandoning that because of the way it was used and abused in political advertising, it somehow did morph into being an actual slur, an accepted slur. So uh, you need another term to describe your politics. Look at the term progressive. And if you think of it as being the opposite of conservative...
0: It works? Yes, but only if you think the kind of things that liberals are in favor of truly represent progress. Well, that's true. (laughs) So it's one of those that sort of is a circular definition.
1: Okay, well, let's just say that conservative is let's hang on to what we've got. And progressive is let's progress on to something else. And we won't put a value
0: judgment on what that something else is. But modern conservatives often refer to what they want as reform. And that means that they're not happy with the, with the way things are at present. So it's not enough to say we just want to keep things the way they are. They actually want to go back to an earlier state of things. and so we've seen a huge amount of that going on in the White House and in Congress this year.
1: Right. We'll talk about that in a few minutes when we talk about conservatives.
0: Well, I just wanted to note that both progress and reform are terms that seem to be kind of neutral but they're extremely loaded. Mm. Oh, sure. Yeah. You're assuming, if you call yourself a progressive, that the things that you advocate are good and you're moving toward them and you're making progress. And if you are a reformer, then you're also assuming that the things you're moving toward are good and that if you reform the system, you reform the tax system by giving people more at the top of the income brackets more money and that's that's a sort of progress it's called reform and so it, it, the terms are are really quite abusive because they assume the political argument that they should be uh, trying to explain right and
1: we'll talk about how conservatives lab- label themselves seemingly the term wants to hang on to something of the past, but then there's a lot of radical change that gets expounded under that banner, too. Can we talk about libertarianism okay. for a minute? I, I'm, I'm, you know, I find this to be a, a pretty interesting part of the U.S. political landscape is
0: libertarians. Yeah, they haven't been a self-identified group for a very long time, and they're still a pretty small group. Um, It's embedded in logic. And politics often don't have a lot to do with logic. But they're saying if you're in favor of small government and individual liberty, then you ought to also be against the regulation of drugs, of various sexual acts and sexual orientation. And uh, you certainly shouldn't be banning abortion. So libertarians say, yes, freedom on all counts, both in your personal lives and in uh, business as well. And they tend to also say the main role of government should be national defense. So these people really pride themselves on being logically consistent, but that's really quite rare in American politics. Most politics has very little to do with logic. The libertarian that is most famous uh, is called that is Rand Paul. But he's not a consistent libertarian in that sense, and he doesn't even call himself a libertarian.
1: No, and his father, Ron Paul, is probably more ideologically uh, libertarian than Rand Paul. Well, I shouldn't say probably. He is, and he is someone who doesn't draw the line at uh, the only government that we need is for the defense, is for defense. He draws the line at the only government we need is no government, (laughs) so he'll He'll advocate uh, stripping out military funding along with everything else.
0: Well, certainly uh, the two of them have argued mostly for defensive wars only and not any uh, invasions in the Middle East and things like that.
1: Well, that's certainly true. And, of course, it it would be, strictly speaking, it would be absolutely impossible to imagine what this kind of anarcho-libertarian society might look like if every road were funded by private industry, for example. Uh, yeah,
0: noticed that that was brought up again, though, and Trump said he was going to make his public works project turned out to be not paid for by taxes, but he was going to privatize bridges and roads and stuff and invite people to make bids on making profit from working on the highways, just the opposite of the Eisenhower era of highway building.
1: Right. And we we all know how popular toll roads are, right?
0: Yeah, especially in the West.
1: <laughs> Let's move on and talk about uh, the term conservative. That's one that has very broad meaning, along with liberal.
0: Yeah, jams used to be called conserves, conserves because they preserve the flavor of the fruit. And pre- preserving something good and keeping it is the good qualities of society. That's what conservatives traditionally are associated with, and that means they tend to be opposed to change. So in, in gardening, a conservatory preserves plants. It's where you can grow things that are too fragile to grow outdoors in regular weather. In In music, however, uh, a conservatory develops new performers and composers, interestingly enough. So it fosters the way in a plant conservatory. You might start some plants that then become hardy enough to take outdoors. I guess that's the analogy. And a musical conservatory, it'd foster young creative talents and then send them out mm-hmm. to join symphonies and so on.
1: Now, if there's a tradition of developing young performers and young composers and so on, you could argue that maintaining that tradition of developing new talent is a conservative notion, right? We're hanging on to that tradition.
0: I suppose. It actually comes from an old term used for hospitals and schools that were set up to care for orphans and foundlings. So that lots of different uh, institutions like this were called conservatories. And Mm. what happened is it got dropped for all of them except the music schools.
1: Let's widen this discussion for a minute and talk about american conservatives on the political landscape and where they are at and how we perceive them we identify the conservatives in this country with the republican party and so i don't think you can really talk about conservatives in the u.s without talking about the republican party and what sorts of politics are being put forward there
0: Traditionally, most conservatives associated themselves with caution, with wanting to stay away from extreme change and anything extreme and and trying to be, you know, we call moderates now. And there's this great agonizing over the vanishing of Republican moderates. So it's it's really transformed because a lot of the current Republican Party at its highest levels is highly immoderate. There's a, a lot of people have noted that there's a disconnect between local towns where people who identify as Republicans can be quite liberal in some of their attitudes and not necessarily in favor of all the extreme measures that elected officials are advocating. But at the highest level, notably the presidency, and to some degree the Supreme Court and Congress, what we've got is people calling themselves conservatives who probably should more accurately be called reactionaries. Uh, it's mm. a term that doesn't get used in American politics very much. It's uh, something that historians know and um, scholars, but uh, doesn't get used as a, a regular idea. So, there are a lot of voters out there who won't vote for anybody who they don't, who, who not, doesn't identify as a conservative. And they, they don't want anybody that's identified as a liberal. But when they do cast their votes, they often don't realize how reactionary the candidate may actually be. And a reactionary is somebody who's dissatisfied with the current state of things, doesn't want to preserve the status quo, wants to revert back to earlier politics and it originated to label royalist opponents of the French Revolution who wanted to get rid of the new democracy that had been set up. And in some ways, the path was prepared by Napoleon, and they did finally reinstate a king, and France went through this fluctuation back and forth. So reactionary definitely meant being a royalist at one time. It's always been a pejorative term. Nobody claims to be a reactionary. And modern conservatives, as I say, would uh, logically fit under this label because they generally oppose contemporary policies and mores and movements and want to go to some past, either real or imagined. Uh, The imagined being a lot of those constitutional originalists who try to read the minds of the founding fathers and see how thoroughly we could go back and Create the, the country that they supposedly imagined.
1: Yeah, the critical word in uh, the phrase is make America great again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not a, it's as if there was some perfect moment in the past that we need
0: to go back to? Um, students, I found in writing, often use reactionary to mean uh, prone to react to things. So, that if mm. somebody was saying, oh my God, that was the most awful movie I've ever seen, you might say he was being reactionary. That is not the traditional accepted definition of the term reactionary.
1: Mm, I might be reactive, maybe.
0: Yes. And I heard just on NPR the other day a Trump supporter who was being asked, did he really truly support Trump still and all the things that he did? And this guy said, he does tend to be overreactionary at times. And I think what he was saying was not his uh, politics are too right wing, it's that he reacts too quickly to things. And mm-hmm. you know, tweets about them and uses intemperate language to react to things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's a common misconception a lot of people have about what reactionary means.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting to me that the, some of the worst mudslinging you can do as a conservative politician is to say that you know, oh, my opponent is too radical. You know, has yeah. too many far out ideas and so on. But if you put the latest tax reform under the microscope, for example, you will see what radical is. At that level, uh, to be proposing something that is such a radical shift in our tax system, uh, to me,
0: that looks like a very radical change. Or are you banning scientists from the EPA and doing away with regulations on fresh air and stuff? Nothing could be more radical than that. Right. Right.
1: Uh, on the one hand, conservative might suggest that there, if there is any change in the works, it's going to be a gradual and easygoing change. You could say, well, we realize we've been taxing corporations more than we should. Never mind how the rest of the world taxes corporations. Just just take the, take the United States in a vacuum and say, we realize that we could be doing better. So we're just going to tinker it down just a little bit just an itsy bit, but uh, this is not what's being proposed here. And uh, time after time, the proposals seem to be extremely radical changes.
0: Right. Of course, the the term radical comes from the Latin root. Root. (laughs) Radix. Mm. Root. And so if you're getting down to the basics of something, getting to the root of problems by extreme methods uh, can be seen as radical. But you can also say that you're trying to reestablish new roots, uh, but sometimes radical means uprooting, you know, pulling something up by the roots. So it can have these kind of opposite connotations. And uh, today, uh, well, in the 1960s, radical almost always referred to leftists. So if you talk about all these radicals in college campuses, that would definitely mean the anti-war folks, the socialists and so on. Now we have it applied to Islamists and sometimes the rightists as well. So the term radical has gotten to be more generic and not so associated with one side or the other.
1: Right. That's uh, conservative and liberal and libertarian and radical and (laughs) all of these terms that branch out from what we were talking about before, just left and right. But I think we need to go back and talk about some of the other terms of government shift the focus a little bit but maybe we should save that for our next discussion there's a whole slew of terms here administration and citizen and representative and these are sort of the workings of government uh put a little bit back more into practice rather than this theoretical discussion
0: yeah looking forward to it
1: all right thanks paul
0: okay songs up
1: That's all for the podcast this week. As usual, you can send your comments and questions to commonerrorspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast, buy the book. The Common Errors in English Usage book can be bought online at your favorite online seller at our website, wmjasco.com, with free shipping. Thanks for listening.